and welcome to the KBB From the Top podcast. I'm executive editor Chelsea Butler, and today I am talking with Elizabeth Lord Levitt, principal designer of Elizabeth P. Lord Residential Design in Denver, and Amy Helia Campo, owner of LA-based Amy Helia Campo Interiors. We are going to discuss all things project photography, which I know a lot of our listeners have questions about. So welcome, Elizabeth and Amy, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Chelsea. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah this is a great topic because we have we have designers who send us uh, projects from time to time, and sometimes the the photos are not professional whatsoever, um, which we you know we can't use. <laughs> um, and then sometimes if they are, I still have to say like, what and they do they need um. They, they need feedback all the time and I feel like I, I can only give so much so I'm, I'm glad we're going to be talking about this today so um whoever wants to start first why don't you give our listeners some background on how you both met and decided to collaborate on project photo shoots sure. um Ellie yeah. are you no Amy yeah. you start you were the one that initiated it uh so I met Ellie through uh, a vendor that we both used. Um, her name came up and I I looked her up and I was super curious about her, her business and her process. And she was um, generous enough to agree to have coffee with me. And we had like just an incredible two hour chat. And I, I'm always very impressed with just what, Ellie's knowledge and how she approaches design and we both come at it from a from really different backgrounds and the overlap of those two things I think is is pretty magical so it's kind of fun when we get to work together on something um so that's that's how we met um and then we've collaborated on um, a, a couple of shoots and a job together two jobs together yeah I mean I think when we met like Amy said, we come from such different backgrounds that you can see a lot of like my weaknesses are her strengths and potentially vice versa. So it's been really great to be able to collaborate on some of these things because it just, it makes, whether it's a photo shoot or even a project, it it makes that project so much better. I mean, in regards to, um, like I said, if it's, if I'm a weakness in an area, Amy seems to pull through and do a beautiful job um, and vice versa. So it it has been a wonderful partnership so far um, in that, in that setting, whether it's the photo shoot or even projects. All right. So in that same vein, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, what, what assets do you both bring to the table regarding these photo shoots? Go ahead, Amy. You want me to go? <laughs> Um, well, I think for me, my background um, prior to interior design um, was a lot of styling uh, and uh, advertising and fashion. And so I worked, um, I was on set all the time for a variety of different clients. Um, and so I come at it from a very editorial perspective, kind of like I know what I want that photo to be. And I kind of work backwards from there. Um, not super consciously, but as I've had to define my process, I've realized that that is exactly what I do. I see sort of that like article in my head and that's how I, that's kind of the lens that I view a project through is like, 
what is the what are those photos going to look like in the end? And you know, obviously layered over what is the client asking me to do? But I'm always thinking of it as like, how's this going to how's this going to translate? Like, what is the final thing going to be? So, and Ellie, you um, work differently than that. <laughs> very. Um, so I've been in this industry for almost 20 years and I come from a place of construction background and design and marketing. And so for me, you know, as a certified designer, I look at these spaces and I'm designing these spaces and I know how they function and I know what design aesthetics and details I want to capture in these photo shoots. But for me, I have a hard time styling them. I have a hard time trying to elevate what I see in real life to, to translate to um, 2D. You know, for me, I just had a photo shoot on Tuesday and it was like, I thought it looked great. And then when I look at it through the lens, it's like, Ooh, that flower is like blocking the hood or, and I don't necessarily see that. So for me, it's so awesome to have someone that can see and how they think it's going to translate into that 2D. But as a designer and the designer of that space, my goal is to highlight and capture the design details that I designed into that space that prospective clients would look at and be really drawn to, to potentially replicate for their projects. House and Pinterest is such a huge factor in what we do now. You know, clients are looking at those and getting ideas. So for me, making sure that the spaces that I create are captured in such a way that they appeal to a broader audience, to me, having a stylist and having it styled elevates those photos so much that it really can appeal to everyone. So that's why I think it's having someone who is has that as a strong suit um, is very valuable on a job site. All right. So I want to talk about, um, you know, why you think it's important for designers to have their project professional sort of stuff. Like, as I was saying before, sometimes they don't do this. And <laughs> I don't really understand why. So maybe you can learn some insight. Um, well, one of my, someone I've worked with that's Denver-based quite a bit, and he's one of my favorite people to work with is David Lauer. And I said to him, you know, if you don't have the photos, it's like this thing never happened. And he's like, I need, he's like, I need to like quote you on that. I need to tell people because I think that people underestimate how important it is, like, it, it's it's real like you don't have a portfolio without pro like you could talk to somebody in any way imaginable and nothing is going to get the point across the way a beautiful photo is it's like and a client may not even be able to tell you why that's what's great about like design and styling if it's done really well they're not going to they're not even going to be able to say like oh i like it because i like that bowl or i like that shelf they won't know why they'll just love it and so it's like, that's kind of like getting it across the finish line. If you don't have, if you're not sort of, you know, having some sort of narrative and you're not envisioning, you know, that client in the space at the end and how their life is going to work, what it's going to look like without that story, the photos are, um, they're kind of flat. And so it might be a $300,000 kitchen and it's not, you, you could make a $50,000 kitchen look more inspiring with the right combination of elements and the right light and the right angle. So it's, um, I think it's hard for people that are not familiar with what photography costs to like 
wrap that into their business because it, it can be expensive. And I don't think you have to do every project, but I think you need to kind of have an awareness of which projects are exceptional and could, you know, get you additional work and, and kind of be selective and then spend the money on those so that you are building this kind of narrative, even for your own brand as a designer, um, someone can come and and they just get who you are and what you offer really fast through the photography. So I think, I just think the pricing is what, it's jarring to some people that aren't familiar with how- Which I find happens. ironic because <laughs> designers, like that's the message that you're sending to potential clients all the time. like. This is going to cost some money. It's <laughs> so an investment. It's funny it, to me that they're investment. they're looking at this like, oh goodness, I don't know if I want to make that investment. And that's the message that they are thinking yeah. about themselves. Well, I would say to add on to what Amy said, for me as a as a designer photographing, like Amy said, you don't need to do every project, but the goal is to have it for your marketing material. So collateral material, websites, building your brand. You know, you're building credibility and your and you're building notoriety with these photos. So whether it's an award competition you're submitting these for, um, or you know, it's more validation for you. You loved this project, you loved the clients, and you just want it for your portfolio. But for me, I've been a judge for a number of award competitions, um, especially the national competition for the NKBA. And I reviewed over 200 kitchen designs and some of the photos were beautiful they're beautiful kitchens but the photos didn't translate it was not well styled and to me as someone an outsider looking in and having to critique and judge some of those things don't translate and it may not provide for a higher score potentially in an award competition especially at a national level so for me i think the importance of getting things professionally photographed and investing that time and energy into that space it just builds your brand um you know, to whatever level you're hoping to be, whether it's luxury, whether it's um, middle to high range kitchen remodels, no matter what, they should all be professionally photographed. I'm um, one of the NPDA judges this year too, and I noticed the same thing. <laughs> I would not quite be able to rank that project higher in my mind. Mm -hmm. if I like you said, I can't tell what it what it's really representing. Like, Right. Yeah, I like Amy said it, you're, you're, and I never thought of this until we started working together, you know, photos tell a story. And so were you in the middle of planning a party and the photographs were taken? So there's like cake, you know, there's a cake, beautiful cake display on the table and ferns, you know, laid out, like you're going to cut flowers. To me, if a, if a client or a potential client can visualize themselves in that space and really see that the, the photos tell a story, they're absolutely more drawn to it. It feels lived in, it feels comfortable, it feels tailored. Um, and that is the goal of that translate from 3D to 2D. So y'all mentioned in our talks leading up to this that designers need to have a benchmark style in mind for how their portfolio looks. Can you provide some more detail on that? I Maybe. think, yeah, do, Ellie, you want to go? No, I mean, I think from from my perspective, at least for from a portfolio, I think it's really important to get photographs of kitchens you've done of all size and shape and range and price point. Um, because I think unless you're really targeting a certain market or clientele, for me, I think your portfolio should, you know, it should exude your strengths. It should exude a lot of what 
you can do and provide for a client. Um, aesthetically, the kitchens may not all look the same, but from a photographer standpoint, I think if there's um, an underlying vibe to them um, that is kind of essentially yours, it does create your brand. You know, I know that there's a designer here that, you know, you see her, her photos and you're like, I know who that is. You know, like there is a, there is a continuous and cohesive feel to them. And so for me, I think that is something to keep in mind when you're getting, you know, photographs taken. Yeah. I think that, you know, the portfolio, it is important to show range, but I think the thing that when it's done well, someone's able to look at your body of work, see that there is variety and, you know, um, customization within each of your projects, but that there's also this like little thread that ties them all together that kind of shows that you as a designer also have a point of view, even if you're able to kind of, even if you don't want have like, like, oh, I do coastal or I do, you know, traditional, I do, whatever those words mean to different people, the photos you don't need words like with the photos. Someone should be able to look at all of that and they just kind of have this sense of who you are as a designer and how you view these types of projects. And that I think is what speaks to someone more than using words or like, oh, like I know that you're using this brand of cabinetry or you always put, it's like none of that matters when you've got this point of view. And I think as you gain experience, you, whether you know it or not, most people are kind of crafting that point of view over time. And the photos, while they're different, I think it's really important to have a consistency, like a light consistency um, or working with the same photographer or, you know, just having you know, are my photos moody or am I doing like a light, bright, you know, a little bit extra blown out. But if you have a mixture of those things, your work is going to feel like very disjointed and not like a cohesive story. So it's like, you've got these little chapters, which are the projects within this larger story, which is who you are as a designer and why someone might come to you versus someone else. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But without the photos, it, it is hard for someone to know like who you are and how, if you are a good fit for them, you know, personality wise too, I think. All right. So what are some of your top tips when it comes to accessorizing slash styling a space for a shoot and how do you prepare and where do you decide the place items, all that good stuff? Well, I'll start just because I am a lot shorter sure. in the area because that's why I hire a stylist. Um, but for me, you know, I do a lot of reconnaissance beforehand. So I will Google like how to style a large island for a photo shoot or um, items that I would want to incorporate. And then I developed under Amy's guidance, um, a prop library. For me, it's like collecting things that you find that could be versatile in a lot of different shoots, but things that I can bring. So big tubs of accessories and things that you would want to have to make the space feel lived in. So vases, um, you know, salt holders next to the range and really pretty oil and vinegar bottles, like things that you can have that you can bring, you know, you can't rely on your clients to have those things. You really need to absolutely 
focus on how you want these photos to be styled and have that in your prop library. So I review a lot of photos, um, beautifully done stylist photos that I can tart, you know, take ideas and thoughts from and start to replicate. Um, and then that way I'm more of an asset to my stylist and my photo, you know, photographer versus hindering them and thinking something looks good and it doesn't ideally. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with all of this is the planning aspect of it. You know, if you're going to spend the money on a shoot, you really need to take your time. You need to always be kind of saving images. And then you also need to think about, you, you need to be able to identify what you're liking about an image, right? Like, is it the way that they place the objects or is it the lighting? Is it both? And then before you have a shoot, you need to really like you, you need to have scouting show, uh, shots, which where you've been there and you've taken photos and you need to plan your shot list. You need to understand like, what are my priorities? Because photographers are different. Like some of them, you might get eight photos. Some might give you 60 photos. It's like, who is that person that you're working with? What is their expectation? Um, so really it's the planning. It's, you know, looking at what you have and then deciding what are the strongest parts of this project? And then what do I have to bring to elevate? And I think in terms of that with it's, with tips, it's the proportion that is hard for people because you don't wanna put a bunch of like little noisy things in your photos, right? The styling has to be good, but you're not showcasing the styling. You're showcasing the cabinetry, the counter, you know, all of those selections that you made and combined so it is a bit of a balancing act, providing those pieces to warm it up and make it feel livable, but you don't want to distract from your design. Like it all needs to kind of, and that's the part that takes a little bit of time. And it definitely is, it's easier if you plan ahead of time. And if you have reference photos, not just for yourself, but also for the photographer that you're working with and that you're having conversations you it's if it, if it's happening the day that you show up you, it's it's not going to happen like you you have to do the planning you have to be on the same page with the photographer and like you both need to agree on what is the goal and that's probably the that's probably the hardest part and the most important part and then like Ellie said and I you know she and I've talked about this start a library like you should not have to go out every single time you have a shoot and, and and go nuts because in that moment, you're not going to find what you need, but you know, you will find it as you're, you know, shopping for other clients or you're pulling, you know, for other jobs. That's when you like, you know, I think I'm going to keep this one for myself. Um, and, you know, thinking about for styling, I think it's a lot of juxtaposition. If you've got something that's like very sharp and angular and clean you may want to soften that with different shapes. So it's really like the shapes of the objects that you're bringing in and sort of the proportion. You know, if you've got open shelves and you've got 12 feet of ceiling, something like this, it, it's it's not going to do anything for you. So you have to have a lot with you so that as you're there and something's not working, you're like, that's fine because I'm going to, I'm going to quickly shift direction and I have all of my props and we can rework this and now everybody's happy and we can move on. But that, that requires a lot of that prep work. So that I think is the most, the most important part is the prep and the planning. And then also 
your library and like, you know, really being conscious of things when you're not in shoot mode, like always be looking anytime you're out, anytime you're traveling, just always have that in your mind and, and save things. And that that's how you get kind of better at that. And you start to kind of develop your voice as a kind of overriding principle through all, all the projects. So when we're trying to pick a, a project for our magazine covers, just to have things out there, um, we usually pick a, um, not horizontal, you know, like you need a vertical photo. Um, so keep that in mind too, if you're, if you're wanting to be considered for magazine cover. Um, but we often look at them and we've got a couple of selections and our other editor, Leslie, is so great at saying, there's too much going on in here. Like there's too much accessorizing, styling, like why is that there? Just it's, it is distracting, you know? So we, we touched on it a little bit, but like how much is too much when it comes to that? I mean, I think my goal for these photo shoots is to identify in each shot a focal point and then try to elevate that focal point, not detract from it. So whether it's a beautiful hood um, accessorizing around it, but making sure that that is the focal point of that photography. For me, I I tend, because I'm I come from such a functional background, I don't love a lot of busyness. Like I want it to be functional. And so to make it look lived in, it has to have some accessorizing, but it doesn't need to go overboard. So the the more noise, uh, visual noise, and the more accessories that are there, they can detract from whatever that focal point is for that shot. So I try to identify a focal point for every angle and every shot, and then try to elevate and accessorize around it. I think also, and this is something that, you know, I've encouraged Ellie to do, make sure that the photographer is comfortable having a monitor attached so that you are literally seeing the shots as they come through because that's the only way that you're going to know if it's right if there's too much in that photo and you're you know doing you look at a lot of stuff you know what you like you will see it immediately on the screen you won't see it in the space you'll only notice that it's wrong when it's 2D right in front of you and you'll be like, oh, that's not right. Like, oh, we need to move those chairs. Oh, that's creating a weird line. This, I don't know where to look and you adjust. And that's, if you don't do that, you almost don't stand a chance. And anything that is being shot, you know, specifically for a magazine or a book, that's what everyone is doing. Like there's a team of people in front of that monitor with all their opinions until they get it just right. The actual photo, when it's all dialed in, the photo is the shortest part of the process. It's the dialing that shot in. And the only way you can do it is with a monitor. And Ellie, I know you're, <laughs> I know what happened and last week and it, it's it's hard. Like you, you can't possibly know without that. Like, because you're, if you're shooting it, you can know. But even then, I mean, I've shot some of my own projects. You can't see on a little screen this big. You need to see it eight and a half by 11 on a screen. And the the how you know if it's too much, it's like, you will know. Like, because if you're seeing the salt and pepper, if that's the first thing you're drawn to, maybe that shouldn't be in the shot, right? And I think the styling is really there to 
support those larger ideas like the range hood, except maybe, you know, to the left of that range hood, there's this dead space where nothing is happening except the side panel of the cabinet that goes to the ceiling. It's like, okay, well, that's not, that doesn't feel very good. What can go there that warms it up, but it's not distracting. And, and that's the part that takes the practice. Um, but yeah, the, you, you have to have a monitor and that's how that you will intuitively know if it's wrong. If it's right, you'll be like, that's the shot. We got it. I feel really good about this. We can move on. If you're like messing with it a lot, it's like maybe adjust your angle, you know, like have a conversation with the photographer. Like I really need to get this, but I'm not, I'm not excited about this photo. Maybe we need to move over here. You know, and that's, it's just really important to be confident enough to change your plan on the fly when it's not working and to you know, look at a lot of things. I always say it's educating your eye, you know, like you're kind of building this library in your brain of like, what is great and what is just good. And the more you look at things when you're in that moment on set and you're looking at the monitor, you will just intuitively know if you need to pull it back a little bit. And I think too, sometimes it's good to have like an A and B version of a shot. Like you may want to have a version of your project that you submit for editorial reasons, but you may also want to have a version of that shoot that you're submitting for a competition. And those are different goals. And so you may want to pull some of your styling out and have a really simple version maybe for competition you know it's you have to kind of use your judgment there but like know that those photos need to really work for you in a lot of different contexts and and plan that into your into your shoot so that you have those you have those choices and it makes it easier for the the work to be published if you can offer you know a little bit of a range but when it comes to lighting for a photo shoot is that something that you work hand in hand with the photographer? Ideally, yes. I mean, and ideally it's a, ideally it's a person that's really experienced with this type of photography because um, it's not, it's not just anybody that's a photographer can do interiors. It's such a specific uh, discipline. And, um, you know, when we shoot, we use, you know, a really special tripod that, you know, architects use things like you want to make sure all of your lines are straight and you're not shooting down and you're not shooting up. It's like that stuff is really important. And a lifestyle photographer, for example, is like not used to working in that with those kinds of constraints. Like they're used to like moments and moving around. And it's like, that's not that's not really how that works for interiors. So I think you have to be really, really clear with visual examples that you are discussing with the photographer ahead of time. I mean, most of the time you're gonna pick someone because you like their portfolio and you're gonna, you know, it's like, oh, I love, I only want natural light. This is how you shoot. This is what I want my project to look like. You have that conversation and you're good. Um, but you do, you do have to be really confident that you and the photographer are speaking the same language because if that's not happening, it, you need to find someone else that gets where you want to go and like that their work feels comfortable to you. So that's definitely like 
something that you would discuss in like that pre-pro like moment before the shoot, um, not the day of. Um, and also I think it's good to pay attention to what does, if you've been at your client's house, you know, different times a day, pay attention to like what is happening, you know, take some iPhone shots and notice like what parts are really dark and what's light because maybe you want to shoot the project in the morning or the afternoon, depending on like when there's natural light in the room, because if there's no natural light, it's a little bit harder to like kind of get like a, a nice contrast in your photos. So you do have to think about that and be, you know, have those conversations in advance. And I, I mean, I would just, I would add, sorry, Chelsea, I would just add okay. that um, when I've worked with new photographers before showing them shots that I like, or the, for the feel of what I'm going for, not necessarily like that. I love this kitchen, but like, this is the feel I'm going for. It, it definitely translates better than trying to explain using words. So the verbiage doesn't always translate. I tell my clients all the time, you can tell me you really like modern, but you know, you show me pictures of traditional kitchens. So for me, I always have my clients show me Pinterest boards and house uh, house boards, because for me, being able to show images of, of shots that you like, it, it allows people to understand you a lot more than trying to verbalize it. So that would be what I would suggest, you know, with lighting, talking to your photographer and showing them photos of things you like, like maybe it's very moody, but like, there's like a table lamp that's on, you know, or something, and you like that vibe. Those are the things that I think showing uh, images can really help. All right, so I'm gonna wrap it up with my last question. And that is what are some gems when it comes to preparing for a photo shoot? I know we've already talked about some of those, but. Um, I would say some of the don'ts, I mean, if you don't prepare, it will look terrible. Um, so, as much as you can hope that your clients have enough accessories or you like the stuff they have, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best for the photos. So always bring more stuff than you think you need. Um, my biggest thing is definitely shooting shots in photos that when you're tethered. So using that side monitor so you can see, you know, you can try to use your phone and take the same shot that the photographer is taking at the same angle and look at your phone if they're not shooting tethered. But for me, when you get those photos back and you've taken your day, your time and your energy and your investment to shoot these projects, you get the photos and you're like, ah, oh, I wish I had tweaked that chair angle, or I wish I had moved that vase. It's blocking this. If you can't see that instantaneously, it can, it can kind of put a damper on your photo shoot. So for me, I think shooting tethered is, is just somewhat mandatory kind of moving forward for me. Yeah. I think also, um, knowing, being very clear upfront with the photographer about what you're paying for and what you're going to get because there are usage rights. Like every photographer is different with how they work. And if you don't understand that, you could spend money and have your photos and maybe you have them on your website and then someone wants to publish them and the photographer might say, oh, well, I need them to pay me. And you're like, what? Like, no, nobody's, no one's going to pay. Like, that's like your worst nightmare. So you want to really understand what can I do with these photos? And, you know, it could be, that could be a reason why you don't work with someone, you know, depending on how restrictive they are with that. It's like, that's not a great spot for you to be in, 
um, you know, because you, you want to get as much mileage out of these as possible. So again, like Ellie said, not preparing, like if you're not willing to do that, don't even do the shoot. Like it's, and, and do not count on what your clients have. Like, it doesn't matter how good their taste level is. It just, they don't have what you need for the shoot. Like assume that they do not, and then plan accordingly. Like that's, you have to, um, and yeah, and again, just the photographer, like really understand uh, what you are paying for and what you are not getting for that um, so that you don't get stuck after the fact. Because like Ellie said, it's it's too late. Like once the shoot is done, that's it. <laughs> you're not going back. You're not going to bother your client again. You know, it, it has to all happen that day. So I think that's, uh, those are probably the big, the big no-no's. And the strengths, I mean, your strengths are your photographer, knowing what you, not only the usage rights, but also like what they're comfortable with shooting, you know, like Amy said, like if they're a lifestyle photographer and they're trying out X, Y, and Z, or they're a real estate photographer trying to shoot architectural, they just might not be a good fit for certain projects. If you're really trying to elevate your design to be an editorial, you know, photo shoot. So I think knowing your photographer's strengths and strengths and weaknesses is um, incredibly important and what they're comfortable with doing. If they're not comfortable shooting tether, they may not be the right fit for that photo shoot. So, you know, you have to be understandable and, and be flexible, but at the same time, it's your investment and your time you're committing to a whole day. You're not getting paid. This is your goal for marketing and for a number of reasons to shoot these. So for me, I think you just have to know what, what you're getting for sure out of your photographer. All right. Thank you so much, ladies. This is great, great, great advice, information, all of it on um, uh, professional photography for your project. So I thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Chelsea. Yeah, thank you so much. Be sure to subscribe to KVB's YouTube channel and click the like button on our videos. You can also subscribe to KVB's From the Tap podcast on such apps as Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and Google Podcasts, and please feel free to leave a review.